0: Well guys, welcome to Timeless Truths, an all-male excursion through John's first letter, which is more of a sermon than a letter. Our speaker this evening is Lieutenant James Neal, former detective with the Saginaw Police Department and now a Baginaw (laughs) Baginaw. with the Saginaw Police Department and now a bailiff for Tarrant County. And uh, serves in the Tarrant County Courthouse. He's a mighty man of God. He
1: has a business on the side of raising cattle. It's kind of also a hobby. Raising
0: grass, which if you raise cattle in Texas, it's all about that grass, isn't it? Otherwise, you're buying lots of hay. And uh, mowing. uh, The last person that mowed out here on our acreage was James. He's a husband. He's a father. He's a grandfather. And he's a man of God. And as you'll see tonight, the man can preach. So, Lieutenant Neal, we turn it to you, sir. Thank you, Ellen. I must have got a, a promotion. I, I have no rank <laughs> in my new job. I've been there a year and a half, and I'm a. I work in the security part, and so. It feels like the right thing to do to be working, I know I've kind of got some years on me, but, uh, you know, it's just great to have a wonderful local church to be a part of, and it's the greatest, it's probably the greatest, my idea is that the local church is the greatest support group you will ever have, I mean, Because you have people that love you, and care about you, and want to help you, um, who work with you, and at least that's always been my experience. Everything I have ever asked for here, and needed, I have received everything. I've never been denied anything that I needed here. I didn't plan to say that, but I just thought I would. And... I'm glad that Alan stayed with us, and... That's just the impression. Okay. But what I want to talk about tonight is the subject, Abiding in Him. And it's the second chapter of 1 John from the first to the sixth verse. So I thought what the first thing we would do would be to read that portion of Scripture and uh, I'm kind of a King James guy, so it's, it's going to be okay. It's all it's all good. And, but I got this printout. I don't know what version this is, but I got it here handy just in case we get in trouble. I mean, we're, we're covered, okay? And we can find other translations if we need them. Here's what John the Apostle said in this second chapter. Keeping in mind that he, we, in the first chapter, he's talked about fellowship. He's talked about uh, walking in the light. He's talking about confessing our sins. And he's talking about all these things. And this wasn't written in chapters and verses. This is written as a, a complete thought. So here's what he says. My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. And he that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. The title of this teaching is Abiding in Him. And as you might notice, the only place this phrase is used is actually in the last verse. Six, he that saith he abideth in him, and that's what I want to talk about tonight is the abiding in him. The word abiding, I thought this might be important for us to do, would be to try to understand what he's actually saying. It means to stay in a given place or a a state, not a state of Texas, but a state of being in which we have been called to abide in a relation or an expectancy we abide with an expectancy to continue and to, that brings to my mind the ministry of continuance we can, you can start anything but it's not those that start stuff it's those who finish and I like to build that's my favorite thing to do I love to build and I find that when I build something it's I like to do the fun fast neat stuff that looks good but then you got to come behind it, and then you got to do the punch-out list. you got to finish that project and make it look right. Meanwhile, a lot of times I've moved on to another project, and, and I've still got to go back and finish this one. I, but the same in our walk with God, anybody can start out. There's all kinds of people that will start something, but you got to have people in the kingdom of God that will finish. And, and that's part of what we do when we abide in God. Uh, it means to continue, to dwell, to endure. Remember Abraham, he dwelt in tents, but he was looking for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. And he kept on believing God, and he kept moving forward with God, and he, no matter where he went geographically, he was abiding in the faith. He was abiding in God. to endure, be present, when the role is called up yonder, I'll be there, okay, I want to be there, don't you, it it means to remain, or to stand, or to tarry, if you look it up in the dictionary, which isn't real spiritual, it's just the truth, to, uh, I mean, actual definitions, to remain, continue, stay. Dwell, reside, wait for, to stand one's ground. I like that one. When we abide in God, we stand our ground in God. We don't stand on our own ability. Remember what Paul said about that in Ephesians chapter 6? He said to stand against the tricks of the devil that we may be able to withstand. And then it says, having done all, to stand. That's part of our abiding in the Lord, is we stand our ground in God. Not in our own strength, but we stand in the name of the Lord. I don't believe that we can defeat a single demon from hell on our own. No matter how clever we are, how strong our personality is, we may be one of those powerful kinds of people with the, this powerful personality. I know people like that, and uh, that won't work. You got to have faith, and the power of the Lord has to be working in us, and the Holy Spirit has to be working in us. Does anybody have anything you want to say up to this point? Any, any comments? Okay, good. I'm going to read some more examples of abiding based on these examples. John 15:4. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. So we got to abide in him. We have to stay connected. We have to stay joined to the Lord. If we sever our abiding with God, you know what happens. Every year I go around the place and I cut... Take the saw and I cut down limbs and and I, and this last time I cut down a bunch of limbs and I I uh, stack them up in the back and as soon as they say it's okay I'm going to burn them. But those limbs, the reason I like to stack them up and they sit, they're there almost all summer is because they get real dry and they burn easy. Except for that one little tree, I cut down, and threw it on there, and it's thriving. I don't know it's connected or something. I I, I meant to go out and look at that. I looked out there and it's laying on the pile, but it's thriving. So that's that's the only exception to what I'm saying. I don't know why it's alive either. It's not supposed to be. You got to stay with him. We got to stay with the Lord, don't we? Yes. Amen. We got to stay connected. To the source of life. The psalmist said, blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will be still praising you. It's important that we, I think, that we go to the house of the Lord. I think that's a vital thing in in our faith uh, that we need to be concerned with. That we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, but when we abide, we abide in in fellowship with other people. We abide in our calling. We abide in the love of the Lord. All of these things I want to talk to you about tonight. Okay. Uh, another one of the the meanings was to tarry with an expectancy. Uh, to to tarry. Uh, Jesus said in Luke twenty four forty nine. Behold. I send the promise of the Father upon you. But now listen to these instructions. This is very important. He said, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I'm not sure they knew exactly what that meant. Because when we read about it, we know what happened, don't we? We know what happened because we can pick up the text and and we can read it. And when they heard this, I'm not sure they really understood all of that. Uh, and then again, Jesus said in Acts 1 and 4, which is the same uh, the same incident, but in, in the book of Acts, it says in Acts 1 and 4, and being assembled together with them, now notice this, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Titus 2.13, the Apostle Paul, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we're always anticipating something in our abiding in Christ. Do you realize that? We are always, from day one, waiting for something. We're living for the Lord right now. We have everything, even though we don't understand everything in the book, we have a sufficient knowledge of the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we stop learning. But stop and think about it. From the first moment, you're waiting for the coming of the Lord. You're waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, Romans chapter 8. We're waiting for the fulfillment of all the of the things that God wanted to do. We are We are always anticipating and waiting. It's a good thing when we abide. Now, if I hear someone that says, "Well, I, I don't, I don't have any hope for tomorrow. I don't believe in tomorrow," and I start get I get concerned pretty quick because that's a part of our dwelling in the Lord, our our uh, dwelling in God, abiding in Him. Uh, but when we when we wait on God and we abide in God, we want to do so based on the truth of the word of God. Jesus also said in John 15 and 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And not only that, but we are we are told that, uh, I think it's talking about the day in which we live now, talking about the last days, Paul said in 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue, continue, no matter what deception comes, no matter what evil arises in the earth. Continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. I have confidence in our ministry. I know of people, and I've said this before, I know of people, they've they got tapes and CDs of everybody in the world and every kind of doctrine that just confuses you. They need to put away a whole lot of that and listen to the voice of the Lord and get clarity and, and get rid of some of the junk. They don't need to be this mixed in with that and just listen to the voice of the Lord from the pastor and the ministers of the church for a while. Amen. So we won't be deceived. About three years ago, I think it was, I uh, <coughs> I was talking to Bob about this the other day. About three years ago, I was I, re, I got a call to go to a, a house, a welfare, and do a welfare check on this family because this was a family who believed that the world was going to come to an end and the Lord was going to come back that day by five o'clock. I got off at six, I mean, <laughs> I mean I'm, just, I'm just saying, you know <laughs> but so and they said they've they've locked their house, self in the house and they're they're they've cashed in, they've quit their jobs, they won't answer the phone. So you know, I'll go out there and I take this guy with me and he's he is a he is everything this generation would be he's um he believes in money he he's a fast mover he doesn't have any i don't know of any spiritual truth in him at all (laughs) and and uh he believes in you get what you can while you can and you do whatever you have to do you know just that kind of thing but i mean i got along with him and i and i had favor with him so I took him with me, just in case, because he's a bodybuilder. And anyway, so, <laughs> so anyway, I get there and I knock on the door. But in the driveway is their car, and it's got banners everywhere: "End of the world, this is it. Jesus is coming. Be saved." And and they, and they believed this. They they quit their jobs, and and so I knocked on the door, and I could hear them moving around in there. And, and uh, the guy came to the door, and he opened the door just a little bit, and I said, hi, I'm telling him where I was. I just want to talk to you a minute, and, and uh, if you could step out, please, uh, I'd like to visit with you. And So it's one of those deals where he just opens the door a little bit, and he squeezes out, and then shuts the door real quick. Well, at that point, I'm still smiling, but I'm not leaving until I talk to everybody in the house. I mean, that's just that way it's going to be. And uh, at that point, I own it. So... I started talking to him and and within just a minute or so I realized the guy's not crazy and he he said, "Look, I know you think we're crazy and we're not drinking Kool-Aid, we're not hurting ourselves. You know, we're waiting and I don't even know if this is going to happen or not, but we think it is." And and I said, "No, I, I don't think you're crazy." I said, "Really? I, I'm glad to see you have I'm glad to see people believe something." There's so many people that don't believe anything. So I'm not going to criticize you, even though I don't agree with him. You know, I don't agree that. I don't think we should set dates. And so I just said this, and and I don't mean to be judgmental, please. I, I do not. I said, so where do you go to church? Well, I don't, we don't go to church. We we belong to a radio church. Big problem.
1: A regular church. A radio, radio.
0: radio, radio. radio. Oh, guy. I said, and I. It starts to make sense to me. I'm telling you, abiding in the local church is important. It's important. for
1: some brothers around
0: you. With brothers around us that can, can can check if they see us going off, getting off course. And so I said, can I speak with your wife? And he didn't seem like he wanted to at first, but... Finally, she came out, and then I talked to her, and I said, "In kids' house, I talked to everybody in there, and the kids were just having a big time. I mean, it was just a big adventure to them." But the thing of it is, you, when we abide in God and this walk, this great walk of faith we have, we want to abide based on the truth of God Amen. that we get from. Uh, the Word of the Lord. We want to build our faith on the Word of the Lord, and there's all kinds of stuff you can believe in. It says in the Bible that there are so many kinds of voices in the world. There's anything you want to hear, anything. But I don't care about that. I want to hear what the Word of God says. That's what we need to hear. So anyway, we want to abide in, in, in the truth and stand on the truth. And with that, I want us to go ahead and get into this text. i got to hurry. And, and, and here's what John says. We'll go back to the very beginning. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. Okay, I guess we can close the book and go home now. That's pretty much my teaching. Well,
2: not really. So
0: that's the instructions that we have. We're not going to sin anymore, are we? It says right here, he says, my children, I'm writing to you, That you sin not, so quit sinning. (laughs) But then he doesn't use the conjunction, but if you do this or that, he says, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. Now notice this, I like the King James, I'm not done with it. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. What a description. Not not the righteous one or or someone, just Jesus Christ, the righteous. Let me tell you something, friends. That's what we need. We need the righteous. We need a revival of righteousness. That's what the kingdom of God is. What is it? Oh, it's this ethereal thing and that. No, it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. So uh, we look at this and we see that we have, we have a an advocate, and an advocate pleads our case. An advocate is essentially our attorney. He pleads for us. And he intercedes. He is an intercessor. He intercedes for us. It means to plead in favor of another. One summoned to help another. I like that. One summoned to help another. When Jesus came, his, his salvation was simultaneously individual, and collective. There's room for everyone. Everybody's got a front row seat with Jesus. Nobody's left out. Everybody has the same attention. I can prove it to you. If I was to sin, do you think I wouldn't know that God would know about it immediately if I committed a sin? Well, if we all pretty much have faith that if we don't do right, we're gonna have we're gonna have to deal with God. Well, what about when we do righteous and we do the right thing? You know, it's all good. You know what I'm saying? So we have this advocate who pleads for us. I always tell people when they ask me about I'm gonna to go to court. I gotta to go to court on a some charge, and should I get a lawyer? <laughs> all I can say is. Don't go in there without a lawyer. I mean, that's not spiritual advice. That's just good advice. Don't go in there without a lawyer. The judge is a lawyer, for goodness sakes. The room's full of lawyers, so don't go in there without one. Well, they cost a lot of money. I know they do. But I also know what happens when you don't go in there with one. They will feed and house you. You know? Okay? If you get my drift, they will feed and house you. And they're more than willing to do that and so uh so it is in the court of heaven we can't pay for our own sins because it goes on to say that he is the righteous and he is the propitiation or the sacrifice for this for our sins and not only for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world okay let's see now He is my advocate, my my intercessor. And he is my propitiation. He is my sacrifice. He's pretty much done everything. And listen, do you know that his clientele is the whole human race? Every person who ever lived, every person living now, and every person who shall ever live, he is prepared to be their advocate. But here's the thing. Think about it. 100% of his clientele is guilty.
2: <laughs> 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 I mean, there are no... <laughs> gonna, and they're not going <laughs> <pay him anything. laughs> <laughs> you know? they to pay him anything.
0: You know? not afford to pay either. Here I am, Lord. Oh yeah? Here I am. And so uh, how'd you like to have a ministry like that? You're he's our propitiation. I heard some people one time I was over Christ of the Nations, and I just happened to be walking by, and this lady was over here, this young lady, and these, this other person came up and said, so what are you going to do? And she, and within minutes she's telling well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going here, and I'm, and God's going to send me over there. And she just goes into great detail about all these things that, that God was going to do. Well, if you were to ask Jesus, what are you going to do here in your life on the earth? Oh, I, I'm a sacrifice. That's pretty much it. I'm a sacrifice. Well, I know, but what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to sacrifice my life. Well, what do you get out of that? Well, I'm going to sacrifice my life for the sins of the whole world, the entire human race. 100% of them are guilty. You see, there's only three pleas you can make. Guilty, not guilty, or no contest. The no contest ain't going to work, Okay. If you say, I'm not guilty, then go back to the first chapter of 1 John where he said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that only leaves one realistic, I'm sure yelling, I need to tone this down. That only leaves one realistic plea, and that is, I'm guilty. as charged. And I don't have the money to pay for it either. Amen. Nothing we can do will pay for that. Do we understand that? Only He could do what had to be done. So He pleads our case. He makes, He tells, you see, He comes well recommended. Remember when the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So He comes highly recommended. The Father knows him. He knows the Father, for he is the only begotten of the Father. So his word is true. So when he mentioned when my name comes up, and he is my personal advocate. I don't care if there's a hundred billion people on the earth. I don't care how many people ever live. He is my personal one-on-one advocate. And what does he tell the father? Yeah, he was guilty. But I pay for that. Oh, okay. Mark that out. Paid in full. No debt owed. And if I were to go out and sin again, even though he says let's let's sin not and if you do, you got the advocate. Paul said in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if people think otherwise, they're just wrong. They need to read the word of God. All have sinned. Everybody. And if you sin a little bit or if you sin a whole lot, it's all the same. I used to I trained in the Army with the M60 machine gun, and I had to clean it after we got went out shooting. Now, I'll tell you something, if you shoot blanks, just for training purposes, I mean, we did both, I don't care if you shoot a thousand rounds through there or if you shoot one round. If you shoot one round of a blank, that gun's dirty. Just one little round, you're going to have to go through the whole grill and clean the gun. What a silly example, but it's true. It's true. Well, he is the, he makes the atonement. He is the expirator, one who makes amends and who atones for us. This points to the mercy seat. Remember that in the tabernacle? The lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Where the blood was sprinkled, the blood of Jesus was sprinkled in our behalf, and it's for all. When on the in the Passover, Moses told them to sprinkle blood on the doorpost with hyssop, probably the most plentiful bush around. It wasn't hard to come by. It wasn't some difficult thing that they would have to do to achieve the directive. let's go to another verse verse 3 and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments Okay. now this is going to be the beginning of the we know declaration that John mentions he says that I think over 40 times in this chapter in this book in this chapter 1 John uh, I think it's that many I'm, I don't know if it's the whole uh series or not but he keeps talking about we know we know this we know. you know that that scripture that says that all things work together for good to them that love God and well it, that's not really the way that works it starts by saying and we know that all things work together it's and and we have to know that <laughs> Because if we don't quote the word right, the devil's going to try to trick us. So we may not be able to see how things can all work together for good, but we know it does. Why? Because the Bible says so. You know, most of the stuff I can't figure out. I just know it's true. Kind of like the end time. I can't. I was telling Bobby, I can't. I, I don't know the exact dynamics of how all that's going to work. I mean I could mimic something I've heard somebody else say and maybe that might make me look a little better not so goofy or whatever but but you know what I I don't know exactly how it's going to work but I know this I know he's coming back and there ain't nothing going to stop him that's what it says in Revelations. Behold he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him Uh. So it's not, I think, maybe, perhaps, I guess, it appears, or it's consistent with, or unnamed sources have said this or that. It doesn't make any difference. We know. We know. We do know that we know him. How about that? That's pretty good. If we keep his commandments. Now, something about those commandments Remember when I read this scripture to you where Jesus said to tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then again, then I read Acts 1 and 4 where uh, in Luke's version of it, according to Acts, and being assembled together, he commanded them. In other words, this was not a suggestion. This wasn't just some fun thing y'all can do if you get around to it. You know, I'll be in heaven having a good time, and if y'all happen to get over there to Jerusalem, you know, go for it. No, this was a command. Well, what happened? Well, I'm just going to read it to you. Man, I haven't, I haven't read Acts chapter two in years, but I always love to read it. It's just, I'm not going to read all of it, but just. Just some of the things after he told them that. Uh in verse 12 of the first chapter, he told them to, to assemble, and he commanded them, then return they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. So they returned. They obeyed what he told them to do. Right? You can say right. Right. Okay. And uh when they were come, verse 13, when they were come in. They went up to an upper room where they abode with, and he starts naming everybody. Verse 14, these all continued. Remember how when we abide, we continue, don't we? We don't just start this thing and then walk away from it. They continued. Uh, and these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And there were other people with them, the women. And then it goes on to say, uh in the second chapter, in verse 1, here's what happened. On the, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, notice this. They were all with one accord in one place. If the people of God abide in one accord in one place, can you imagine what would happen in the things of God? What we could do? In the kingdom of God. So here's what happened. And again. I don't think they knew what was getting ready to happen. I don't think they had that information. They knew something was going to happen. But it says. In verse 2. And this is. This is one of the ways. God operates. We can ask him about it. One of these days. And suddenly. Not gradually. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and now here notice verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. As and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now That's what happened. So that command that they received, my friends, was crucial. It was absolutely crucial that they obeyed the commandment of the Lord. Do you see where I'm going with that? When we receive commandments from the Lord, it is crucial that we obey. Had they not obeyed, I don't know what would have happened, but they they obeyed what he said for them to do. When he gives them this command. And it goes on to say. Let's go back to 1 John. It says. And hereby. We do know. That we know him. If we keep his commandments. And he that saith. I know him. And keepeth not his commandments. Is a liar. And the truth. Is not in him. He is a liar. And the truth. Is not in him. Well, there are some other commands. Jesus said in John 15 too, "This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you." All the, the the command, the ten commandments, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might, and love your neighbors yourself. On these hang or hinge the law and the prophets. Everything hinges on that. Loving people. Loving the unlovable. That's the commandment of God. When we abide in Him, that's one of the truths that we abide in. I don't want to be a liar, do you? But you know what? John sure seems to make a big deal out of it. Lying thing, you notice that? And it's not really fun to talk about. It's not fun to preach about. But, but he, he's mentioned it in this previous chapter, and he's mentions it here. This thing about, about lying, and being a liar. I've read something in the Bible about lying, about liars. This is a part of my lesson here. John also said, Revelation 21 and 8, listen to these sins, these categories. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and we're none of those, are we? I hope we're not. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. I'm not used to using those terms, because I don't like to preach like that. I like to preach you know, a pep rally type sermon, where everybody leaves and they feel good. You know, yeah, yeah. That's what I like to do. But when I think about that, I think about what why is this such a why is a lie such a bad deal with God? Well, I believe it's because the it is the exact opposite of who he is. He is the truth, and a lie is the exact opposite of who he is. So if we're going to abide, we've got to tell the truth. we've got to be truthful. And I believe that that means that we must be truthful with ourselves and not live in a dream world, not live in a fantasy world. I got a friend at work that we're, we're always talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Don't <laughs> nobody get mad at me now. Cause I, but I told him, I think we need to sign up. You me, we can go down there and sign up. He's, he's, well, nobody's as old as I am, but I mean, he's up there. Anyway, he's within 10 years. I said, we can go sign up, and we, it'll be okay. We don't have to do nothing. We don't have to win. We don't have to do anything. Just show up and look good. Just say all the right things. Nah, I made some enemies, didn't I?
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you
0: know, we can deceive ourselves. And I'm just kidding. And today you pass by, and I say, hey, man, we're going to play fantasy football, <laughs> whatever that is. I don't. Know, that's a new time I've heard. I hadn't heard all the Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I don't know what that means, but, but... You know, we can live in a dream world, and we can deceive ourselves. We don't even have to have the devil deceive us. We can deceive ourselves into thinking that we, we're we doing this or that or, or we're, we're good to go, we're set. What about the guy that had all these, his barns were full, and he had everything made in the shade, and he looked everything over and he said, I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear my barns down, and I'm just going to build me bigger barns. But nowhere in his confession did he have anything good to say about God. And God said, okay, after you do that and your soul is required, then who's going to own those things? When I listen to the people around us in our our government, not just this government, but I'm talking about our government for years and other governments around the world. It's like they omit God from their conscience. It's like they want to eradicate God, the name of God, from our society. You know, we have to we have to be realistic and not tell lies and tell the truth. And so I'm only saying that to you because the Lord gave that to me. That we should not deceive ourselves. And and I'm right there in the big middle of that. I've done things in my life, I've I've made decisions that were based on some faraway dream that I had that for instance, you know what I'd like to do? I like to watch that Alaska frontier. Man, I I I love that. I can sit myself there. I can put myself in the picture. And I told Cindy, you know we're we're, we're going to go up there and live. And and she's, she she freezes to death in the middle of August. <laughs> I mean, if, if I was out there and a bear came at me, I, I'm going to tell you what. If I can get in my truck, I'm probably leaving the scenes. What I'm going to do. And uh, but it's fun to watch. But realistically, that ain't for me. I I like comfort. I want central heat and air, you know. And uh, there's no use in me trying to convince myself that I could fit that mold. That's just a dream world, that's all it is. But sometimes we go beyond that and we start daydreaming about something that's never gonna be. We live in a in a dream world. Like the guy that he said, I'll give an offering to the church as soon as I win the lottery. You talk about the biggest dream there is. Statistically, scientifically, work the numbers,
3: it ain't
0: in your favor. You know what I mean? The chances of winning it, you know, a lot of really bad things could happen. You know, so the chances of you getting struck with lightning are better than, I don't know what the odds are anyway. Why am I talking about it? I've never bought a ticket. Don't lie to yourself. He that saith, He abideth in him, ought himself also, so to walk, even as he did. So, how did Jesus walk? That means, how did he conduct himself? How did he go through his life? What did he do? And one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, in all the Bible, one of my favorite scriptures is in Acts Ten and 38 and I'll close with this thought it talks about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth and that word Nazareth brought back what Alan said Sunday about the t-shirt that had N on it Nazareth and when I was going to work Monday morning I was listening to this WBAP station the, kind of a cheerful upbeat station and they have a little segment on there where this minister he's at some Baptist church and he gives a quick little talk and it's not but a minute and a half and he talked about that. Some church somewhere the pastor showed up and he had that T shirt on with that in. And here's the thing when the when the smoke clears, when the dust settles, it's it's gonna be about who Jesus is. That's what this all gonna be about. Everything. It's gonna be about that. It's not going to be about, you know, what nation is the great power on the earth or anything like that, what kingdom has risen here and over there. It's not going to be about this. It's going to be about who Jesus really is. He's the Nazarene. And so in Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power that's what we need. We need power. And he encourages us to walk as he walked. Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. That is one of my favorite scriptures in all of the word of God. So if we walked the way he walked, we would walk With the Holy Spirit. And we would walk with the power of the Holy Spirit. Not the power to get a magazine or start a corporation or uh, make merchandise out of it, but the power to conduct the work of the Lord in the earth. And do good. Healing all that were oppressed. Man, you think there's a lot of oppressed people around. There's a lot of people around that just need a good old fashioned healing and a good old fashioned case of salvation. That's what we need. And that's what we should do when we abide in the Lord our God. And so that's my word to you tonight. May the Lord bless the word to your hearts. Anybody have a question or a comment you would like to make or go at me?
4: Here
5: you know, James, you're talking about you, you got to know you, you got to know, yeah, absolutely you, you used to be a, a Bible teacher you used to talk about, you got to know when you know her yeah. <laughs> but, but when I first was doing my ordination oral last century, <laughs> I think it was 1969 mm-hmm. uh, uh, the way they did it it was in the Conservative Congregational Christian Conference, a, a, a not so well known conservative arm of the Congregational Church and um of which Lake Avenue is, Lake Avenue Connery Church in Pasadena is one of the churches. That's where I was at. But anyway, I was pretty fresh out of seminary. And the way they do it is they had a, about as many pastors as we have people here today. And they can ask you any question they want. And you got to be able to answer it, you know, like outline a certain book of the Bible. <laughs> well, they asked this one question Do you think that Jonah was a real man in real time? Or do you think it was an allegory or metaphor, you know, kind of thing? And, um, uh, I said, well, I believe that, uh, he was a real man in real time, but I guess he could have, could have been an allegory. Wrong answer. <laughs> they failed. They failed me. <laughs> because I didn't know, you know, I mean, I, I did know, but I thought I was kind of covering my bet, you know, in case they didn't, you know, because <laughs> it could be an allegory. But you see, uh... That, that You can't be like that about the about the things of God, the Word of God. You have yes. to know, like you say. And uh, I learned my lesson
0: the hard way. <laughs> I was like 27 years old and i too smart. <laughs> uh, I used to write reports and I used the word appear. That way I didn't get boxed in. <laughs> or I would use the word approximately, but it was too long to spell it, so I went to the word appear or about. Mm-hmm. And that kept me out. But you know, you can get away with that. And that that report writing thing, you don't box yourself in. But when we're talking about the things of God, we know. Okay. We know. We we have a knowing of who he is and what he's going to do. That doesn't mean we may not know every all the exact nuts and bolts of it. That's, that's not the issue. Uh, when Jesus... Uh, When Jesus gave his life on the cross, he said prophetically, he spoke through David 700 years before and said, Thou wilt not leave thy Holy One in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. David prophesied that. Jesus spoke it 700 years before he was born. So they had utter, total confidence in his father. Amen
1: in in this in this day the oh i would probably say that the the trials of the last three years that i've really had that desire to learn and to know so that i know that I know what i know um, the lie of deception is all around that um it, and Uh, He's been a minister, I guess, quite a bit of his life. He's not ministering now, but he knows that it's post-tribulation. And I can prove it. And there was no swaying him. Mm -hmm. And somebody caught new in the Word can be so easily deceived by a lie, by a mistrust. Guy on the block, it's tough not to go with the lies that are always around you. I mean, you got to have this core belief of Jesus Christ being your savior by His blood, you know. And, and I mean, the, the core elements and, and hold that stuff strong. Or I think survival rate is real hard to do because you get deceived by those same lies. Of people who promise you they know what they know, <laughs> and you're wrong. <laughs> I think I think it's important to know what it's important to know. Yeah. Don't well, yeah. you know, yeah. people, yeah. man, they major on minors and they really, well, yeah. <laughs> they really know it, but is it really important to be so dogmatic about? Because you could be wrong. Right. But it, it, in First John, I, I just looked it up in my little Bible I have.
0: The phrase, we know, or in the King James, know we sometimes, is in First John 14 times. Yeah. So there's 14 things that are important to know, and knowing John, there's probably
1: some of them said more than one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's important to know what's important to know, mm-hmm. and to learn what those things are. Amen. I like, I like the, the abiding, and uh, I think when he says that, notice he's speaking to the whole church. But, but individually I know that when I'm not I think I'm an abiding and I'm not which you know, Satan's really good at sneaking yeah. in places we don't know he's there. Yeah. 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 You know. So we can we can keep the big commandments. You yeah. know, most Christians well, I, I I live by the ten welters. Those aren't the ones that get us in trouble mainly. It's it's when we quit abiding in the vine, you know, it's like when you go cut a limb off a tree you go check that limb in about two minutes. Them leaves have already starting to wilt,
2: mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and so when we start vi- not abiding, that's when I get in so much trouble. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, I think that's what Apostle Paul calls walking. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Well, I call it keeping. Uh, in, yeah. in that verse six, <laughs> that <laughs> verse
5: six is, uh, in this passage, it starts out with abiding Him, but then it ends up by saying walk.
3: as you walk with him you equates walking with the Lord and abiding I wonder if I could just add something to what that gentleman over there was saying and the the pastor said it perfectly it's it's important to know what we need to know and and I learned in this Bible right here um, that God taught me that I learned by his Holy Spirit (laughs) so if I'm in this word right here I'm going to be learning from God himself Jesus Christ is going to walk me right through it with the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to be right on target, Amen. I'm right here, instead of, not just saying saying yes, against you sir, but you gave him a great sermon tonight, that was great teaching, he teaches wonderfully every time I listen to him, but if I'm right here, right. I know I'm on target, Amen. I Amen. know because I know, you Amen. said it a couple of times, I know because the Bible says, so. you got to check out what you hear, Yes. right, but if I'm reading this, I'm on target, right, <laughs> yeah. That's right. So you got to check out what you hear.
1: Anybody else? Check out Radio Land here.
4: Oh, hey, hey, who do we have there? This Scott. Please, God, I wanted to, you have any
0: input for us?
4: I wanted to say thank you to James. I thought he did a really excellent job, and especially about the part uh, abiding in him. And if we look at our supreme example, one of the things that Jesus did, and regularly it said, as was his custom, is he went and he got alone with God. And that was a regular thing that he did that helped him to stay abiding in the Father, and I think that's important. Note that we set aside a time each day where we can be alone with God. And the other thing is that God gave me this week from that alone time with Him is uh, I've noticed the last few months I haven't really spent much time on Facebook, yeah. and um, I really feel like that's a God thing, <laughs> and and I uh, it is. and uh, in the last it, it was. It was late last week, I believe, that God was saying, he was telling me that uh, if people would spend less time on Facebook and more time with their face in the book, that we'd be a lot better at abiding. Yeah, less email more
1: some... an email, right? Right. That's good, Scott. Thank you. Who, who else do we have there?
0: Anybody else there? Hello. Well, thank you, Scott. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. Yep. You're welcome. Thank y'all. How are you doing? I'm
5: doing great, sir. You?
0: Good. Good. Do you have any
5: input for us? <laughs> well, I, I do know that I know that y'all know that I don't know enough. <laughs> and, uh, well, you are you're a new believer,
0: man. Just keep hungry. That's awesome.
5: Well, you can't, I can't ever get enough to start with, nor will yeah. I ever be able to. I don't think any of us ever will ever be able to. But uh, I, I really like where he came from, and I think, uh, give him my thanks.
3: Uh, I really enjoyed it. All right. Good yeah. deal.
5: I wanted to mention one more thing, because I
4: know you all are about to break up in groups and pray. I've got some close friends of mine. uh that are, I believe that they're born again, and that one time they were born again, but they, they're they not at the place where they know, where they know, and they worry about past sins and if they're good enough, and it really concerns me, and so when y'all pray, please pray for my friends. There's a couple of them that right. God would tell them the truth that they are born again and that he's paid the price. And then they can move on from their past sins.
0: All right, that's good. Yes, sir. We have an advocate, and we don't have to pay for him. He not only paid for our sins, but he paid for himself. Yeah, those lawyers are experienced in in America. Uh, you can get the best justice in this country that money can buy.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, and we got the best spiritual money there is—that's the blood of Jesus.
0: Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. He's not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> well, bless you. Appreciate you guys.
4: All right. Yes, sir. Thank you.